everyone, and welcome back to the Badass Ladies Club. This is Jessica. Hey, it's Lori. And we are here today. We are so excited. So before we get started, please remember to subscribe, like, share, um, read, review, all of it. How many things can you do? Just do all of it because we would really, really appreciate that. That's what's going to help us climb the charts. And that's what we're going for. Absolutely. So before we even get started into badass of the week, which is really important. Yes. Um, you may notice if you're watching on YouTube that something is a little different today. We are (laughs) makeup free, no makeup, which is very different for the both of us, but it will all make sense when we, once we get started makeup free and I'm short, like 18 inches of hair right now. Yes. Um, and Laurie took her, episode, um, so yeah, we took her extensions out. So that is another thing that's very different. Massive transformations happening. So here if you don't badass. recognize us, that's what's going on. So, um, let's get into our badass of the week, Laurie. Absolutely. Let's bring it back around. So this week's badass of the week is, uh, actually kind of interesting since we're hanging out here with no makeup on today. Mm -hmm. She is uh, the global artistic director for Aveda makeup. Her name is Janelle Geeson. Uh, Janelle and I have known each other for a while now. We met, I feel like it was in 2004, perhaps um, when we kind of came into each other's orbits. Janelle is, um, like I said, she's a makeup genius. She works at the highest levels at Aveda and she does different um, product manufacturing and development decisions. She really helps direct how the makeup uh, market goes inside of that brand. I've been so fortunate as to work with her on makeup teams in the past um, at everything from Aveda Congress festivals and um, fashion week shows. She is just a real light to be around a lot of times. And I've worked with a lot of, um, makeup leads or makeup leaders in uh, my career. And I will say the one thing about Janelle that is so very special in my opinion is she always makes you feel like you belong. Um, and that is something that is really just different with a, uh, I don't know. Authority sounds like such a big word, you know, but like Janelle was kind of like my makeup boss for a a long time. Yeah. Yeah. And I have always looked up to her and she has always, you know, whether I was, um, really nailing a look or really not nailing a look, you know, like the way that she works with people to help you grow and evolve as an artist is from such a compassionate, amazing, beautiful space. And that's because that's who she is. And I just find it really refreshing in a world where, you know, if you're going to be great at working in hair and makeup and you're going to really commit to this idea that you want to do it at the level that Janelle does it at, then you have to be willing to get out there before you're ready and to Mm. screw up and make mistakes and not do it right all the time. And when you do that around people that are judging you very harshly or that are coming at you, um, that's why so many of us don't do it anymore or want to do it. And Janelle just makes that whole process really awesome and beautiful, no matter where you happen to be at in your career. Well, I have not had the pleasure, but I am friends with her on social media, but I have not had the pleasure of meeting her in person, but I have seen her at many, many hair and makeup shows doing her thing. And I just love everything that she creates and the makeup she pulls out on her daughter. Oh my gosh. Like her muse. Her daughter, like, her model daughter. Yeah. Yes. Um, um, is the most, it's just beautiful, beautiful looks. And, well, and if I'm you obsessed. haven't checked out her work, she's at Jay Geeson 
on Instagram, Mm -hmm. um, Janelle Geeson on Facebook. She has this really awesome aesthetic where she can do really cool out there. You know, like I got to work backstage with her behind the chair, um, one year and, you know, did really awesome, fun, creative, crazy oh gosh, runway makeup. Rhinestone, yeah. Like the whole and yeah. Um, oh, I still find so sequins good. stuck to the bottom of my shoes sometimes <laughs> from that show, but, um, but she also does a lot of just really beautiful, what I call beauty makeup, which mm-hmm. is just like enhancing your natural features, but she does it in a way that it just brings out the best in the person that she's working on. Yeah. I always loved this idea that when you paint faces, that you're painting what you see in somebody's soul on their face, which is like a fundamental Aveda makeup tradition that we got from the Yawanawa tribe, uh, mm-hmm. which is a totally different story in podcast. But anyway, <laughs> Janelle nails that. And it's, uh, she's definitely like, I, I fangirl on her makeup big time. Yeah, so Janelle, gosh. we honor you as badass of the week this week. We are sending you a badass box full of awesome goods. And we want you to come on the podcast and talk to us about yes. uh, what's going on in your world and um, just how uh, you've helped move the beauty and the makeup business forward and inspired so many awesome badasses uh, like me and people all over the world. Yeah. So, yay. so please, Janelle, we'd love to have you. Totally. Okay. So today's theme We've been (laughs) planning this for a while and it's very different for us, but today we're going to be talking about, um, insecurities and bullying and port wine stains and albino jokes, wine stains and albino jokes. So first of all, we did two different, um, stories on our social media where we asked people to respond with, I think the first one was what your insecurities were. The second one we, or we, um, turned it more to like, what were you bullied for? So, um, whereas Laurie and I are going to get into our stories today that ours is mostly physical. Um, we are going to cover some things that aren't physical that people were bullied for, but our stories, they're all different. We looked a lot different. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to start with one that is pretty heavy, honestly, but I thought that it was really worth putting out there. Yes. Um, we had a listener respond and she said, I put so much of my own worth in procreation that I was literally lost for years after the miscarriage I had when I was 18. It took about six years to make peace with and even embrace my infertility. I was able to grow and learn who I was without the pressure of my biological clock because I thought it was broken plot twist. I built an entire relationship on this childless idea only to get pregnant six months (laughs) after we got married. So Congratulations, listener. Um, my, she goes on to say, my weight has been a source of constant criticism, internal and external, for half of my life now. I never felt thin or pretty enough. And oh my God, if I could just love on my 16 year old me, I would. I still don't like most pictures of myself, even though I can love and appreciate my body so much more after pregnancy and childbirth. I've taken to tie dyeing some of my clothes and actually investing in pieces that fit the body I have now instead of the one I think I should have. And it's made a big difference in my confidence level. So I, wow, loved it. Um, but we have other feedback too. We do, man, I'm going to just mention before we get into the next listener feedback, how excited I am that everybody is 
so into letting us know what your take is on this because you guys go there and that is inspiring for me and it keeps making me want to go there too. So absolutely. uh, The next one that we got was I was bullied for having a big button thighs. I could wear tight. I couldn't wear the tight pants or the skinny jeans that were in. Once I got to high school, things were easier because yoga pants were cool then and big booties were all of a sudden desirable. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Uh, I feel that. Um, Um, Yeah. yeah. Our next one was, I was, this one breaks my heart. Yes. How this even happened is beyond. It hit me out of nowhere when I read it. I was bullied by teachers because I have dyslexia. There was one teacher in fifth grade who called me stupid pretty much daily. Another one told my mom I just needed to get a certificate of attendance. Wow. What? How are these people hired? It's insane. I mean, and, you know, education and dyslexia and all, like, we know a lot about that now, but just based on when this listener was in school, I just don't understand how you could treat a child that was already struggling so much with their learning um, in that way. So yeah, big time bullies. Uh, The next one in sixth grade, a mean boy asked why I had no lips in a rude tone and then laughed at me. The other kids at the table started laughing too. From that point on, I wouldn't look anyone in the face for fear of being made fun of. I became very quiet, shy, and reserved after that. To this day, it still sometimes makes me self-conscious when I look in the mirror or I see videos. I feel that for sure. That things that somebody said to you randomly when you were a kid, like yeah, as an adult, sticks with you, you forever. Still carry that, yeah. Wow. Um, another listener um, said, fair skin. People would pretend they could see right through me. Call me Casper or vampire white as sheet of paper. I was afraid to wear shorts because people would talk about how white my legs were. I mean, yeah, I, it's my life story right there. <laughs> I, uh, all the, all the same uh, things for sure. Uh, the last one that we have, uh, was talking about her freckles that my freckles used to be an insecurity for me, but I was too lazy to cover them up. And also it was impossible. So now I just flaunt them and think of them as part of who I am on the outside. Each time someone mentions them, I get better at not being jolted back to my insecurity. Yeah. And you know, what's funny. So I know this listener and she's so freaking beautiful, but also what we had discussed, and I haven't actually talked to her about this, but what's kind of ironic about this statement is that her freckles are such an insecurity for those of you who like aren't familiar with makeup or are in the makeup industry. They have freckle makeup. Oh yeah. Like it is a thing freckles to people um, (laughs) so often that don't have them. Uh, but it's so indicative of that thing where like you always want what you don't have. Yes. If you have freckles that you don't want freckles, but if you do have them and you don't want them anymore, um, as a makeup artist, I really, really try to not cover up freckles unless it's mm-hmm. just a non-negotiable for the guest. Um, yeah. cause I think they're magic, but I know I think so, they're great. So all of this feedback to say, like I, the one about the teachers bullying for the learning disability, I was not expecting, you know, yeah. like body image, I think is so big for so many people that everyone has an insecurity. And I can't say that like, there's just one overwhelming one that I have. Obviously there's lots of insecurities that come at you from a lot of different mm-hmm. reasons. Um, but it's really that thing about, you don't know the battle that people are fighting. Right. And sometimes, um, if I'm struggling with something stupid, like my hair or whatever that day, and somebody says that my hair looks good, like it is all I need to be like, Oh, they think my hair looks good. And Mm. it totally like (laughs) lifting each other up and say, when you see it, say it. And that's definitely going to be what people need to hear sometimes. For sure. And I also want to put out there that 
you know, some people had mentioned body size. We are planning an episode coming up. It's just a matter of schedules with a really special, important guest that we're really excited about. But I promise you there will be a body image episode coming. Probably more than one. Yes. It's probably going to be a series, (laughs) quite honestly. But um, we've started talking to this guest about it. And Laurie and I have already learned so much. And it's incredible. So we're very excited to bring that to you in the next few months, hopefully. So let's get into uh, our own experiences a little bit um, Uh about how we looked different when we were young and growing up and (sighs) kind of what that's uh, turned into today. Yeah. So, I mean... For those of you watching on YouTube, um, my my face just looks different. Um, I was born with what's called a port wine stain, and what that is, it's a it differs from other birthmarks because mine is a vascular malformation, and that means that my blood vessels under my skin are way open and not constricted, and so they don't turn off. So the pinkish reddish tone on half of my face is from excess blood under my skin. And so I was born with it. And what's crazy, I did some research, three in 1000 babies are born with port wine stains and they call it port wine stain because it looks like a wine stain over your, like if maroon wine spilled on your face. Right. Um, but it doesn't have to be on your face that they're mostly found either on the face, the neck, the upper trunk, arms, or legs. Um, and they say that it is believed that port wine stains develop within two to eight weeks of gestation. Interesting. Isn't that crazy? Um, but they are for the most part harmless. There is like, um, another kind of port wine stain called Sturge Weber syndrome that is linked to seizures, learning disabilities. Um, and that's because if it's around the eye, which some of mine is around the eye, but if it's around the eye or up on the scalp that they think that that's like a birthmark from the brain, your brain. Yeah. And so, um, some babies have to be like, have an MRI for that kind of stuff, but that is a very uncommon port wine stain. So, I'm pretty sure what mine is. is I don't think you have somewhat that one. normal one. Yeah. Um, anyway, so my mom had a really traumatic birth with me. It was hard, hard labor for 20 to 30 some odd hours. They had to ask my dad and the nurse to push on her stomach to get me out. They pulled me out with forceps. So when I first was born, they thought that my birthmark was just birth trauma from the forceps. It wasn't until a day or two later when the doctor said, oh no, she has a birthmark. It's a port wine stain. So, um, my parents took it upon themselves to try to help me out as much as they could, because even if you look it up on WebMD, there's also, um, birthmark.org that, Studies show that people with port wine stains have significant image issues um, and self-confidence issues. So when I was three, my parents took me for my first laser treatment, which is how port wine stains are treated with lasers. Um, Of course, back 30 some odd years ago, that was a newer technology. 
And so if it's probably hard to see on camera, but if you see it up close, I also have like this pinning or like texture kind of bumpy ish texture, which port wine stains can develop over time. But mine in particular was because that laser was too hot. And so the texture on my skin, I wasn't born with. It's just a part of what happened with the laser. Um, so yeah, laser treatments back then were so different. And I remember getting them when I was younger. I mean, it looked like I ran into a brick wall for about seven to 10 days. It, they were extremely bruised. It looked worse before it looked better. Oh, it looked way worse yeah. before it ever got better. Um, there was one scary laser situation where my parents had me signed up for a laser treatment and something happened with the appointment where they had to call my parents and be like, we're sorry, miscommunication appointment mix up. Um, we can't get her in until whenever. And my mom was kind of like, what, you know, like, this, very, you know, ruins my plans or whatever. I don't remember. But, um, all I know is that that child that did have that appointment died. Oh my God. Too much anesthesia. Cause oh. they have to well, back then, especially for babies and toddlers, they put you under for that kind of stuff because it freaking hurts. Yeah, right. You know, so um Wow. That was a close call. No. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Um so anyway, so that's my toddlerhood of trying to wow. fix that situation. We get into going to school. Of course I looked different, which was hard because everybody had to point it out. Um, but the first bullying experience that I remember that has stuck with me into adulthood was in the second or third grade. Okay. This kid named Leonard, I won't say his last name, but Leonard, if you're listening, we don't like you. I don't like you very much. Um, <laughs> this kid named Leonard, um, you know, the Batman movies were really big back then. Yeah. Um, and Tommy Lee Jones played Two-Face. And so he called me Two-Face um, because literally half of my face is red and purple, you know. Um, well, and we should point out that even what anybody can see right now on video has had lots of laser work done. And over the years, yes. it is not nearly as prevalent as it once was. It's, it's not. It's a lot lighter than it once yeah. was. But when I was a kid yeah. and, you know, lasers weren't really working out, my parents took a long break from that. Right. Um, that, yeah, it was right now. It's like really pinkish. Back when I was a kid, it was more purplish and way more like two-faced, looking, honestly. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. You know, um, so, you know, that has stuck with me forever that anytime I see Tommy Lee Jones, who is a phenomenal actor, by the way, (laughs) no offense. It still brings back memories of bullying and name calling, which don't give me the warm and fuzzies. I got to say, that's some scarring trauma though, to have somebody say something like that to you at that. How old were you? How old did you say you were? God, second, third grade. That's so young um, to, to have that kind of hurt. And, you know, so then you get older and you get into junior high and I know we're going to go into that later. Um, but you know, you start liking boys. And so that was really hard because I looked different. So no one was really interested. Um, which whatever I was too young to think anyway, it's not like in Catholic school, <laughs> you, you like, still don't like do anything. anything. Yeah. Right? So, um, 
there was that. But in my school, we weren't allowed to wear makeup um, at all. So seventh and eighth grade, when like you really start feeling self-conscious about things and you don't have to have a Port Weinstein to feel self-conscious, every teenager goes through that. Absolutely, right. Yeah. So rite of passage. I wasn't able to wear makeup till I went to public school, um, for ninth grade. Um, so that was a whole thing, like trying to find a makeup that actually covered, because let me tell you, ladies, if you have ever had the privilege to just go to the drugstore and get some cover girl matches. Yeah. (laughs) And be like, Oh, that's nice. I'm like, what is that like? Because nothing covers like, so from the beginning I had to invest in good makeup that is thick and opaque and full coverage. If you know, I don't want anyone to Just, notice it or see it, well, which is the point <laughs> has come a long way since you were in ninth grade too. You know, yes. like they didn't make makeup back then the way they do now to yes. cover this kind of thing. Cause nowadays you can find stuff to cover a completely opaque black tattoo, you know, right. like, but back then it just wasn't, oh, yeah, that as, wasn't really yeah. a thing. So it was going from makeup counter to makeup counter at the mall, finding thicker, opaque coverage. Um, And yeah, so high school, I would say was a little better because, um, no one knew me because I came from a Catholic school. So no one knew me. I was able to wear makeup. So I feel like my, which is interesting because I feel like a lot of people have a bad high school experience. Mine was actually a little better, um, because no one really knew what I looked like, which now that I say that out loud, I feel weird saying that, that that may not be a good thing, but it was a good thing for me. Well, and considering the circumstances you were dealing with, it was actually ideal, you know, like you didn't have to carry that baggage with you from your previous experience into high school. So yeah, clean slate. And so, you know, um, into adulthood, it's still to this day, you know, why I wear makeup everywhere, you know, cause people stare, they just do. And kids stare, and I know that kids stare because they're curious, but when I see adults stare, I'm like, you know better. Yeah. <laughs> like, stop it. Um, but even people who I know who have only seen me in makeup and don't know that I have a port wine stain are like, <gasps> what happened? What happened? Yeah. They think that I'm having an allergic reaction. Yeah. They, you know, they think you're hurt. Somehow. They think I'm hurt. Yeah. Like, did I run into something? Mm-hmm. And and usually I look at them with like a, huh? And then I remember, oh, I'm not wearing makeup. Right. Okay. So this is just how I was born, yeah. you know? And then I have to explain like, no, I have this port wine stain and this is what it looks like. And, you know, um, so yeah, it's just a constant everyday thing. And I know that people do their best to try to make me feel better about it. I've had people, actually, I had someone with freckles once say, well, I'm really, you know, weird about my freckles. And I'm like, thank you. But to me, it's not the same. Right. Because a lot of people have freckles. That is a very normal situation. I've never met anyone else, though. That's a lie. I've never met another woman with a port wine stain. And we already have these unbelievable you know, societal standards of beauty of what that looks like. So that's a mind fuck, excuse my French, but it is. Um, but there was a kid in my high school, a boy who had a port wine stain, but his, from what I remember was mostly on the side of his neck and 
like it was further back. Like he had a mostly clear face, but maybe like on his jawline and his neck, he had one. I do remember that. Like the first thing people look at when they see your face. Right. Yeah. But also he was a dude <laughs> who, you know, and I know that guys wear makeup, that that's a very like acceptable thing now, but back in high school, like that wasn't a thing, yeah. you know? And so anyway, that is a very surface level explanation of my journey with my port wine stain. All right. We'll stand by. <laughs> stand by. We'll get we'll, back we'll to it. We'll follow up because Laurie's going to speak to her so experience. Mine's al- like almost the opposite. Uh, <laughs> I am still really fair skinned, but when I was younger, I was, I had a lot less pigment than I even have now. Oh, I've um, seen pictures. I was yes. like translucent skin. Mm-hmm. Almost. I was so fair skinned. Where now, you know, like definitely on my eyelids or around my eyes, um, sometimes like in the creases of my arms and my legs, you can see veins and actually like watch blood pump through my body. When I was little, it was so much more um, aware. My eyes were also a little, a lot lighter and where now I have... Um, maybe my eyebrows are turning a little bit gray and that's why they have a little bit of color. Like they were white and my eyelashes white. Like I, um, had never seen anybody that looked the way that I did except for maybe my little brother a little bit, which, Mm -hmm. you know, again was a boy. And so that was so very different. And when I was younger, like toddler elementary school, uh, there maybe was a little bit of picking on me, but mainly people just talked about my white blonde hair, you know, and I yeah. kind of looked like an angel a little bit, you know, like it wasn't necessarily a bad thing until I got into like fifth grade, sixth grade and kids started to create identities a little mm-hmm. bit, you know, and you had like a style, I guess, in that age range. Um, and that's where the fair skinned albino thing really started to hit, um, hard. I think mainly because kids understood that there was something called an albino and that you looked really different. I was not technically albino at all, really. Um, and, but looked so close to what they would have expected an albino to look like that. That was immediately my nickname. I definitely got Casper. Um, yeah, you know, like like our listener did our um, listener that answered with the Casper vampire. I mean, like, like, I feel that Um, if I'm being honest, like my high school self would have loved for somebody to call me a vampire. Like that would have been really (laughs) awesome. Uh, but they did not do anything nearly that cool. There was super mean nicknames. Uh, powder was a movie that came out about a kid that was, uh, albino and had like crazy paranormal metaphysical powers and stuff. But I got called powder a lot in high Mm -hmm. school. I definitely had a hard time wearing shorts. Um, I was a cheerleader. And so I had to wear like, you know, like cheerleading skirts. So showing my legs at all was so hard for me. Um, A, because they were so white, you know, mm-hmm. like, and like I said, the veins were, you could really see. And, you know, to to me, the fact that you could see my veins through my skin was traumatizing. But so much older, I know that nobody's like looking at my legs as closely as I was like, right. that, that, that probably wasn't even a thing, but it was so embarrassing for me at the time. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, also just the idea that I wasn't like an ideal shape. Um, you know, like I was a lot curvier and we used to joke like that. I got football player legs and my brother got ballerina legs and, that you know, no. somehow we should have like switched body types somewhere. Cause he was like long and lean and, you know, like super skinny. And I was all like stout and football player linebacker style, you know, like, so those types of, uh, 
juxtapositions really messed with me. But the albino thing was also hard, I feel like, because there were a lot of things I couldn't do that other kids could do. And the biggest part of it was how careful I had to be in the sun, which seems like something that you would just like, yeah, you put on a hat or you wear sunscreen. But when you're that fair skin, the way I was when I was a kid, it was really dangerous. Like I definitely would go to the water park or I would go to somebody's house to go to a pool party or something. And so for me, when I'm out in the sun, like in a swimsuit, it is an every 45 minute situation that I have got to cover, you know, like head to toe and sunscreen or, you know, now I don't even mess with that a lot. I'm like wearing fishing shirts and SPF giant hats and things that are, I know are going to keep the sun off Mm -hmm. of me. But when I was younger, I didn't have that. I wanted to be like everybody else. I wanted to just go out and play. And I got a couple of like first degree burns on my face and on my body, you know, like just trying to play out in the sun, like everybody else that then it became a real, like isolating situation where I didn't want to be in a position where I was going to go out and be at the water park with my friends. Cause I didn't want to have to stop and deal with all of that. And, um, so yeah, the, the behavioral differences, the looking very different. And then, you know, once I got through into high school, like you said, you know, where makeup was a thing, I I was not a makeup artist in high school. Like (laughs) you were probably a lot better at it than I was because you were committed to this idea of, you know, covering your birthmark. I just makeup looked different on me than it did on other people. And when you were talking about like picking out colors, like they didn't make colors as light as I was about to say, I still with some clients have trouble getting very fair skin yeah. clients, some coverage. Um, cause it's chalky. And yeah. You know, and, like, you know, yeah. and then you just look ashy and right. you know, it's, it's kind of a thing in the beauty industry now to have like a huge range, you know, range especially for darker skin mm-hmm. tones for, you know, the black community. Yeah. Um, but I have found it's also very difficult for really fair skinned people. Well, and as you know, So especially back then for having done makeup for so long now, like I understand why it was so hard for me back then, but that Mm -hmm. was just not, um, something that I messed with a whole lot because I wasn't very successful at it. You know, like when I put on makeup, I didn't look a whole lot better and it took a learning curve for, uh, that place. But I do know that once I got into the idea of like, oh, I can wear black eyeliner, you know, like contrast became a thing. And, uh, we've talked in previous episodes about how I kind of like moved into a Gothic, you know, like range with my style, which all of a sudden then the fair skin was like an attribute, you know, like mm-hmm. that community really, uh, embraced that fair white pale skin. They thought it was really cool. Um, so I was like, awesome. Somebody who I, I belonged, you know, mm-hmm. like I was really cool. But anytime that somebody would see me without the eye makeup on, the first reaction and still the first reaction for a lot of people that are used to seeing me with makeup on is that, um, are, are you sick or are you okay? Like they, yes. cause I look people so different, say you know, that. Yes. um, that they think there's something wrong with you. And I just have to say, no, this is just how I look, you know, like that's what uh, you get. And so Thanks. <laughs> it's also equally awkward cause you don't want to make them feel bad for saying like, because they're obviously coming at it from a genuine concern. I hope, you know, like, uh, so yeah, the, the albino thing was, uh, prevalent in my whole life. And then, you know, when we were putting it out there for people to give us feedback, we got a couple of answers back about having fair skin. And Mm -hmm. it's so interesting. Um, cause you just don't know that how many people are dealing with that same situation. But I did think it was funny that one of them, you know, she was, she said that she had dark hair 
Yeah. And I was yeah. like, well, gosh, to have fair skin and dark hair and black eyebrows and black eyelash, you know, like that sounds awesome to me. I think that so much more of mine was that I had such fair features, you know, from like, head to toe, head to toe, like, yeah. and so in makeup, you know, like eyebrows are everything as far well, as eyebrows make you look framing like you have a your face. face. Yeah. yeah. But I had no frame to my face. I was just like forehead all the way till you hit my blue eyes, you know? Right. And, um, so I understand now why I'm obsessed with eyebrows and, uh, Same. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm obsessed with eyebrows, but not because mine are light. Yeah. But I also got a little bit of the chemotherapy thing, you know, yeah. where people thought that I had cancer and that's why I didn't have any eyelashes or eyebrows obviously had hair, you know, like, but right. I just think it was a funny, but it was just so translucent. Kind of thing. Yeah. Um, um, so, you know, what's funny though, is when I met you, you had black hair, <laughs> yeah. you dyed your eyebrows black. I loved my black hair. I loved your black hair. My favorite. I really did. Um, so do you think that that came from somewhere like, so what started the black hair thing oh in your adulthood? The black hair thing kind of, well, it was all, it was a necessity really because I had colored my hair so many different, like it was red, it was orange, it was blue, it was green, it was purple, it was red, you know? Like so you did the rainbow before the I black. had several rainbow <laughs> hair colors and it was short. Black was one of the only colors I hadn't done. And I kind of have this like long-term love and affection for Winona Ryder. And Obviously, I think at the time the of everything, everything, I was like, you know what? This might be a good shot for me to try that black hair, fair skin, get your Winona kind of thing. Yes. looking thing. I was yes. so into it. Um, and so many people were like, don't do it. You, it's, I know you think that you want to do it, but once your hair's black, you know, like it's really don't hard to go, go backwards. Back. And <laughs> I was like, whatever, if I hate it, I'll shave my head and start over. Like it, I was very unattached to my hair at the time. Um, but I wore black hair. I feel like it was for almost seven years after you that for a long time. I loved it. Um, loved it. it was crazy high maintenance for somebody who's so fair headed, you know, like every two and a half to three weeks, my roots would come in and it start to hover off my head. And I kind of looked like I was going bald unless we could like get on top of that new mm -hmm. growth right away. Um, which is ultimately why I lost it. You know, like yeah. it was just too much to keep up which, with. But. Just saying Laurie did the Billie Eilish before Billie Eilish was even a thing. It's true. When um, we were growing out Laurie's black hair, we colored her roots. So many different fun colors. Was Billie even born when we did that? I don't know. Maybe <laughs> she, she was in diapers or something. Yeah. Um, so, um, I'm just throwing that out there. Laurie did the Billie Eilish before Billie Eilish was even a thing. We need to do a comparison. Like, Ooh, and put the yes. pictures next to we need other, to find pictures okay. of that. I'm done. We'll okay. <laughs> we got off on a tangent. Okay. We did. Sorry. <laughs> so we talked a little bit about like our looks and some of the childhood trauma that we had that came from looking different. Um, and yeah, let's talk a little bit about makeup because mm -hmm. makeup changed the game as soon as I decided to accept that in my world. So yeah. talk a little bit about makeup for you and how that uh, changed things once you started getting the hang of it. Well, it just, so like I had said before, I wasn't really allowed to wear makeup in school till ninth grade. Now I grew up dancing, so doing makeup for recitals and stuff which if you know me explains so much about <laughs> my expectations no. and style, um, that heavy makeup, I just, I love it. So, you know, I think we talked in a previous episode about, you know, how, um, 
makeup is to, you know, bring out your natural beauty. Enhance your natural beauty. And I'm like, what's that? (laughs) Give me the full coverage, the eyelashes, the big eyebrows with the smoky eyes, with the red lips. Like I want to wear it all. Um, so that's natural makeup to me, (laughs) which I understand is not a thing for a lot of people, (laughs) but, um, I just found that when I started wearing the full coverage makeup that, you know, and people weren't negatively looking at me and I felt like people were looking at me maybe in a more positive way and I wasn't being judged or questioned what's that on your face that it just I can't even really put it into words what a life-saving and I'm I'm not being over dramatic yeah. here what a life-saving situation that was for me we had just talked a few episodes about a few episodes ago about um the social media thing and yeah. how you and I were saying god if we had that when we were younger I don't know if I would have made it I'm 1000% serious yeah. that I mean my bullying was bad enough without the social media that if I was growing up in today's world I just don't know I don't know yeah. if I would have made it I don't know um but I'm not going to dwell on that too much. I just, I'm saying that, um, it, it was just a life transformation thing that happened for me. And I'm so grateful for it. And what I love about makeup is that I can choose every morning the style and the attitude that I want to put out for the day. Yeah. Most of the time it's a rock star vibe. Um, but I do have my days where I don't wear so much You've been rocking a natural thing going on lately. You know, it's been more lighter, airier, Mm -hmm. pastel-y, and I'll admit that's mostly from laziness and wanting to sleep a little bit longer, but believe me, (laughs) the routine and the time it takes is still there. Um, So yeah, like what about you when you started committing to the idea? You know, I I told you I wasn't great at makeup when I was in school. Um, I also think it was, you know, the nineties, which was a really different makeup time. You know, like we definitely had the skinny eyebrows happening. That skinny eyebrow with the dark lip liner. With the dark, well, oh. yeah, like the, the eggplant, you yes. know, kind of dark I lip. I love that look. I wore that Live a lot for it. Most of my looks were really intense lips and then, mm-hmm. uh, you know, black eyeliner and mascara yeah. because it gave me eyeballs. I will admit I did not really even understand the concept of drawing on my eyebrows until I was in the salon business. And that mm-hmm. was mainly, I think, cause I was so afraid that they were going to look drawn on yeah, and that I had seen so many people look so weird like that, that I was like, you know what, rather than look like that, I'm just not going to do it at all. Um, so I remember when I started to wear eyebrows correctly and fill in my eyebrows, mm-hmm. it was like one of those times where I was like, Oh my gosh, this is what I was supposed to look like my entire life. Like yes, this I understood, is what I was supposed to you know, look like, like that's exactly what it's it, like, you know? And so now, you know, hair color and makeup colors and all of those things come together. I love having my hair dark. I think not because I like having my hair dark, but because I like having my eyebrows dark. Mm-hmm. It's got very little to do with hair or lip or eyeshadow or anything. Like it is all about how dark can I wear my eyebrows and get away with it. Um, so... <laughs> What's funny about this eyebrow conversation is that what's also, I don't see it so much anymore, 
I think it was probably around the Lady Gaga Born This Way album where bleached eyebrows oh, became yeah. a thing. Yes. They were a thing in runway makeup too. Do you know how many like models I yeah. bleached their eyebrows for a show and cried the entire time? And you're like, like <laughs> why? Like PTSD, like except it looks so rad on them, you know. Yeah, except it looks like really rock and roll when you have like a whole, you know, runway show or music video around it. It was not cool when I was in school. Back in the nineties, but yeah, it has kind of become a thing uh, aesthetically. And I even feel like maybe this four or five years ago when there was a seasonal collection of models that came out with bleached eyebrows, that I was like, you know what, I'm going to try and rock this. I don't have to do anything, but just not fill my brows in. Um, maybe I should try. And I did like, I think it was like for 10 days at work or something, you know, like I rocked the bleached like, eyebrows uh-uh. and I was like, I tried guys I and tried. I can't do it anymore. Like it's I vaguely too remember hard. That. Um, so yeah, that used to be a thing. Um, you know what I find so ironic and sort of like serendipitous about our friendship is that how we met. It is really interesting. Um, <laughs> So Laurie and I met 11-ish years ago, Something lost like count at this point, um, in a makeup class where Laurie was the makeup teacher. I was the student. Um, we immediately hit it off. We did. Um, and I was like, man, this lady's rad. Like, We I, also knew some people. We had a lot of we friends had some in connected common. friends, yeah. Yeah. Um, but... I loved your makeup classes, but I hated them too. (laughs) Oh no. (laughs) Nothing to do with you. It had everything to do with this anxiety of, so I would go into class with my makeup on and then you just had to make us take all of our makeup off. I mean, that's how you do a makeup class. That is how you do a makeup class. I understand it's part of the thing, you know, you have to practice, but I was like, none of these bitches know how to cover my Port Weinstein and every class you had to help them. Yeah. Um, because I would take off the makeup and they'd start working on me and you know, they'd put a little powder on and they'd be like, Oh, that looks good. I'm like, Nope, <laughs> no, don't cut it. it's not going to cut it for me. Um, so going to your makeup classes was a lot of anxiety for me, I have to say. Um, but I always learned so much, which was really great. And so I loved going to your makeup classes, but it was a lot of anxiety, like, well, I remember breaths, Jessica, it's okay. It's a learning experience. Let these people learn on your skin. Cause you never know when they may be in a situation where they have to do a full coverage look. Right. And that we talked a lot about covering your birthmark at the first makeup class that you came to. And we even worked on it together, you know, mm-hmm. like with different products and brands trying to, you know, figure it all out. Um, and it's so interesting because there's lots of people in makeup classes that don't want to take off their makeup to be models. Oftentimes it's a, uh, you know, like, I'm allergic or I'm, you know, like there's a yeah. reason like that, why they don't want to do it. Um, which is what it is. But I always thought it, in my memory, I always think back to when you would do that and think, man, if Jessica is willing to take off her makeup and be that kind of vulnerable mm-hmm. and let somebody use her insecurity as a learning, you know, opportunity that that was always such a generous, uh, perspective that you took with it. And probably one of the big reasons why we did hit it off. Cause it was just yeah. so indicative of who you were that you were like, Nope, I can do this. You could, I could tell you were uncomfortable. I could tell you didn't want to do it, but you were willing to go there anyway. So, oh, um, thanks, yeah, that, Aww. that was huge. And that <laughs> totally land. I don't remember a lot about that makeup class, but I do remember that, you know, mm-hmm. perspective mm-hmm. of it. Um, and that 
the fact that we met in a makeup class and then both were sharing so many of the same wounds about, you know, like just image and looking different and how makeup kind of saved that space for yeah. us. You know, I, uh, I, I just think that there are no accidents, you know, there are no accidents. And, you know, I think that makeup has this reputation for, well, or people who love makeup or wear a lot of makeup have this reputation for being, being vain, which yes, mm-hmm. I am. I'll admit it. A minute. Yeah. Um, but that in that way, there, there are no accidents that we ended up in the beauty industry because I feel like, and I can't speak for you, but we have talked about this is that I took my pain and I was like, I would love nothing more than to make someone else feel the way that I wanted someone to make me feel, Right. you know, I kind of wanted to be that light for someone else, you know, that if I just had a Laurie or a Jessica when I was younger, who was a makeup artist, like, you know, I don't want to make my parents feel bad. I feel like I, that, <laughs> that, that sounded bad that they didn't, you know, <laughs> do like a good job of that. They totally did, but they weren't makeup artists Right is what I'm saying is that if I just had a makeup artist, you know, or hair person to like help me with that confidence yeah. or teach me the way to deal with my insecurities that I feel like I would have blown it out of the water when I was younger. And now, you know, young girls have access to YouTube and to, you know, like, so you don't even even have to know somebody or go somewhere to do that. You can just get on YouTube and type in cover my port wine stain, you know, and get so much information. And there is a girl out there. There is a makeup artist out there. I wish, oh, maybe I can put it in the episode notes, notes, but, um, there is a makeup artist out there who has a port wine stain, but she does a lot of cool stuff with her port wine stain. She like covers it with glitter and like makes really, um, like avant-garde looks out of it, which I think is so cool. And there's so many models and, you know, different, um, identities and celebrities out there nowadays. Winnie Harlow. I mean, Winnie. Yeah. Like, are you kidding me? She's so beautiful. So beautiful um, and gives vitiligo like a stage of you don't have to let that insecurity stand in your way of becoming a model. Look no, at her. It's her superpower. Are yes. you kidding me? Like it's magical the way that you can take it and embrace it and turn it into something that ultimately is really fantastic. Um, which, you know, dialing back to having fair skin, um, one benefit to having fair skin is that all this ink shows up like painting on white no paper kidding. on me, you know, Your tattoos like, are on point. I did with not how know. They are. Yeah. When I was little that it was going to be really excellent for full color tattoo work. Um, <laughs> but it's just like, all, or even, um, you know, I talked about being really badly sunburned when I was younger. Yeah. Obviously I got out of that game really fast and learned how not to do that. I do think it's a big part of looking a lot younger than other people my age is that my skin has just not been through it with the sun exposure, you know? And so a lot of that does create a lot of advanced aging on the skin. I'm also kind of a skincare junkie because of the makeup business. Um, Let me tell you, it makes all the difference. Yes. Young women well, and men, whoever you are, start your skincare early. Get your skincare routine on. But getting out of the sun and committing to taking care of my skin because I didn't have a choice, mm-hmm. um, has actually spun off into a, a couple of really great things for me as an adult, you know, yeah. 
none of that would have mattered when I was young and, you know, handling the bullying, but it does come back around full circle sometimes. Um, you know, one thing that you taught me for anyone listening, um, one thing Laurie taught me a long time ago, Uh because I've asked you this multiple (laughs) times and you always have the same response. Okay. And people ask me all the time. And now I've turned into the Laurie Wallace with this answer. Oh no. Is what is the best makeup primer? Skincare. Skincare. <laughs> good, like, good skincare is your best makeup primer. However, you want to know something ironic? Tell me. The primer that I do use is like a three-in-one. Mm-hmm. Um, it's by, <laughs> this is so funny, Too Faced. No, it is not. Yes. Jessica Weckerlin. Oh my God. Too Faced brand, which I never put together. <laughs> if that is not oh overcoming your trauma, no, I don't kidding. know what is. Okay. Um, so yeah. Let's um, cheers to that. For, <laughs> there you go, I'm lady. It. Thank you. Um, sorry. That was so funny. It just dawned on me. While I can't we believe you hadn't about... figured that out before now. Um, that's great. <laughs> I know. Um, but it's a three one and it's great. If you guys are looking for one, I really do like it, but I have noticed as I'm taking more care of my skin, mm-hmm. my makeup just glides on yeah. way better with or without it. So. Well, and that's something I've noticed about your routine just because I know what you buy at the salon mm-hmm. and I know all the makeup that you use is I do feel like you have been a lot more skincare focused in the last three or four years mm-hmm. than I ever remember you being before where you're like committing the time and the money and the yes. effort to really working on the skincare. Self-care, man. Absolutely it is. And your makeup doesn't have to work so hard when that's you're keeping right. up with that skin. So yeah, I love that. The other thing that I think really kind of struck us as we were working on this episode was how interesting it is that you go from being a kid who's bullied and that you don't want people to see you because it hurts when they see you, you know, and that they point out these things that are painful. Um, and that you would think that that I would have internalized that and been very uh, quiet and flown under the radar and not wanted people to look at me as an adult. But that is obviously not what happened. Um, With either of us. Yeah, that I totally went a different direction where, you know, I didn't start getting heavily tattooed till I was in my 30s. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely had no visible tattoos that you couldn't cover up with a tank top even, you know, like... Um, And so that's kind of a look at me kind of thing that you do. You don't put that much artwork on you, not expecting people to pay attention and look at that. Um, I've also had, it's, you know, blonde as my hair is right now. Like my hair has been every color of the rainbow, a very look at me kind of thing. Uh, Children pointing, you know, like people yelling at me in the grocery store, how much they like my hair. Somebody Mm -hmm. asking me if it hurt to get my tattoo, you know, like I get a lot of attention for my look. And so we talked a little bit about this. Okay. So we were looked at for things that we couldn't control when we were younger, but as an adult, I can control what I look like a lot more and I'm actually really good at it now. And so now I'm going to give you something to look at instead of Mm -hmm. what I don't want you to see. This is what I do want you to see. And Mm -hmm. you kind of have a similar experience with your look too. For sure. I, you know, more than anything, when people compliment my look, it's usually about my eyes. Mm -hmm. Um, it's usually about my eyebrows or my eyeliner. Um, but a lot of it is my style and that I think that this bleeds over into clothing too. Um, is that, yeah. And when we were talking about it, it was a total light bulb bulb moment where I was like, oh yeah, I didn't want people to stare at me when I was younger. Cause Mm -hmm. it's, 
rude and it makes you feel, you know, vulnerable and, um, like people are judging you. But as an adult, when I get to paint my face every day and I get to wear whatever the hell I want, I'm like, oh yeah, you can look at me yeah. and you're going to compliment me and you're going <laughs> to, you know? Um, so, and yeah, I, I'll say it. I'm vain. I like attention. <laughs> I have no regrets about that. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Like, I also think that there's something to be said for how long and how hard we both had to work to look the way that we liked the way we looked. Mm -hmm. Like I even still, like I thought hard to look the way that I look right now. And it wasn't because I didn't not like things about my image for a long time, you know, and figured out how to get around that or how to accept it and embrace it and decide that it was okay. And yeah, it's one of those things, um, you know, we actually, social media has been so prevalent. I feel like in so many of our conversations that we have coming up, but I do find that I'm trying to pay attention to even uh, plus size models and yeah. identities online because I fit this plus size market. If you look at just my size in general, that when I identify with somebody who's like a size four all over my social media feed, that that doesn't do anything but make me in my head think, yeah, I need to lose weight. I need to work harder on that. I need to, why can't I wear clothes like that? Why can't mm -hmm. I do, you know? And mm -hmm. that if I, as I've started to embrace and surround myself with people who look more like me, um, it allows me to accept myself a little better. Yeah. Like, and that sounds so shallow and so <laughs> weird coming out of my mouth, but it's true. And I also remember feeling that way when, you know, Mandy Hancock was on the podcast several episodes ago. Mandy also has blonde eyelashes and blonde eyebrows and is traditionally very fair skinned. And so is her little sister. I mean, I didn't meet Mandy until I was in my mid twenties. And I remember when I met her the first time I saw her without makeup on the relief, it was like a soul sister. Like, like, Oh my gosh, ah. she looks like me, you yeah, know? And yeah. just the, acknowledgement that there's somebody else who has shared that too and that understands what that's like and that Mandy also has a really specific style you know oh, yeah, she um, she rocks it. and that she also had to figure that out you know mm -hmm. and how she wanted to look so yeah if, it doesn't matter if it's like body size or even just the you know having the fair features yeah. like that as soon as I connected to somebody that had it too I was like yes yeah you know that. so like I said earlier I've never met a woman with a port wine stain. Um, and I'm pretty good at picking out you what's know. under your makeup. Totally. You can say it. Cause I do it. Yep. So I know what you got going on mm -hmm. under your makeup. Um, but you know, what I think saved me was having Adelaide mm. that, you know, something happens to you when you're okay. I guess I can't speak for every pregnant woman, but something happened to me when I got pregnant where I was afraid that my life was over, that yeah. I was never going to be desirable, sexy, have fun ever again. <laughs> um, that this thing just awoke in me that I was like, life is way too short to like, I just don't want to be just a mom the rest of my life. Yeah. Um, so having Adelaide and especially since she's a little girl, I want to show her to embrace what makes you feel good, no matter what that is, as long as you're not hurting anybody. Yeah. But, you know, what I have learned from Adelaide that she has no idea that she's taught me 
is that I have such low self-esteem. I'm, I have better self-esteem now because of her, but I look at my baby and I'm like, she's so beautiful. She's been so amazing and wonderful. And people would tell me, Oh my God, she looks just like you. That it was this light bulb moment of, wow, well, something so beautiful has to come from something beautiful. Indeed. And so if I created this beautiful human being, then I must be beautiful in some aspects too. And that, no, she doesn't have a port wine stain. Mine is a complete genetic anomaly that they don't know what causes it or anything. It's just a luck of the draw situation. Um, I'll, I'll never forget giving birth. And just as I was pushing, being like, please don't have a port wine stain. Oh please, don't have a port wine stain. please don't have a port wine stain. Like I seriously, I didn't want that for her. Yeah. And, um, you know, Aaron was, you know, right next to me, cheering me on the whole time. And, um, I remember asking him, does she have one? Like, you know, and he was like, no, no. she's beautiful. She's, yeah. she's great. Just the way she is, you know? And I was like, Oh, okay. Um, which we ended up having a whole other situation with her. It had nothing to do with birthmarks or anything. It had to do with her legs, but that's yeah. a whole other situation, which she's totally fine now. The kid but, has no problem getting around on them legs. Oh, like, she has no true. problems, <laughs> but we did have a little bit of a heart attack moment yeah. with a pediatrician telling us that she'd be like force gump, you know, yeah. and like have leg no. braces and all that kind of stuff. But that never happened. Thank God for that. Yeah. So. You know, you've told me that story about her birth and just about your recognition that she couldn't be so beautiful if she didn't come from something so beautiful, you know, mm. and that it was, uh, it was just a really awesome day when you yeah. told me that story that I was like, that is so beautiful and so awesome. I, also think that um, when we've talked about this before, that little girls so often get the, oh, you're so pretty, you know, mm -hmm. like that that is um, so often the way that they're adorned. And I just love that um, Adelaide's beautiful, but it's like number five or six on the list of things that she is. Yeah. You know, like that all of the other amazing, magical, fantastic things that she is um, are the one through five. And uh, that being pretty is something that, I mean, I feel like the more you get to know people, the better looking they get. Oh yeah. Or the worse looking they get, you know, oh, like yes. I, uh, and so for sake of vanity, like, you know, you've been talking about, I, um, I think that all of that has so much to do with who you are on the inside. It's really cliche and it, it feels so stupid to say cliche, it out loud, you know, um, it really is. Inner beauty is definitely yeah. the most important that it doesn't matter if you have ghost white skin, right. port wine stain, vitiligo, you know, freckles, warts, you name it. And the, what, who you are on the inside is really like at the end of the day, what you're judged for. It is. And it's the people that do the best job of showing that, mm -hmm. that are the most attractive. Yeah. Which, um, yeah. Attraction is everything about why people are friends or, you know, and any people that you have in your orbit, it's, uh, it's all about that inside attraction. So, yeah. well, I don't know about you, but I'm kind of looking forward to putting makeup on before we recording. <laughs> <laughs> it's been weird. Um, it's been totally but weird I'm into and vulnerable, it. but yeah. this was important for us. Absolutely. We talked about this for yeah. a long time. And so we're very happy that you guys joined us today. Yeah.
so definitely get on all of the pages like Jessica was saying earlier, like rate review, but I'm going to go to this idea of reviewing the podcast, please. Um, I will say this much any time that before I had this podcast when people were like, yeah, write me a review or do, um, I've done it a handful of times, but it's like you understand things on a greater level once you're actually doing them. Yeah. Um, I've written more reviews for people's businesses in the last like six weeks than I have so ever much. in my life because I want to, you know, pay it forward and I understand the value of yes. all of that. So yeah, if anything has spoken to you, then definitely write us a review on Apple podcasts, um, join our YouTube channel and subscribe, share it with your friends and family. Um, and check out www.badassladiesclub.com. Um, we've got some merch going on. Yes. This is the first generation of t-shirts that are coming through. Uh, we've got our tumblers for tumblers. your, they're uh, so cute. I love mine. I love mine too. And I take it everywhere. Um, so yeah, check it out. There's definitely holiday season and shopping and whatnot. We appreciate you guys. Thank you guys. Thank you.